this is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, another installment of PF's third favorite band, question mark, this week's contestants, Book of Love. Now, Book of Love you may or may not be familiar with. I know we've compared this to a, a kind of like a basketball tournament, so Book of Love might be that uh, scrappy little school that you've not quite heard of, or maybe you've heard of them but didn't really know they had a basketball program or, or whatnot, and they kind of go deep. Maybe they reach the, the Sweet 16, maybe it's a George Mason situation where they reach the Elite Eight. But um, although I think George Mason reached the final four, didn't they? Anyway, uh, so that's where we're at with Book of Love. Of course, we're going to start with a tune by uh, my two first favorite bands, uh, uh, Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. And then we'll have an honorable mention from ABC. Now, we're just going to start with the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys, uh, we left off uh, after, let me see, Holland's where we left off. And after Holland, the uh, band takes a break for a little bit. And what happens during this time is that uh, people start to get very nostalgic for the 60s all of a sudden. People that graduated from high school in the mid-60s are now in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s. Uh, they have mortgages, they have jobs, and they, they long for a simpler time. American Graffiti comes out. Uh, the Beach Boys have a song at the very end of that. They also have another song on the soundtrack. So people are starting to wax nostalgic for the Beach Boys and, uh, and uh, all kinds of 60s music, including the Beatles. And what's helping the Beatles, of course, is the fact that um, at least one of the Beatles, for sure, Paul McCartney and his band at the time, Wings, are having uh, hit records in the charts, and people are going back and also not only enjoying those records. Uh, I think George Harrison has a few hits at this time. John Lennon, I think, has a few hits at this time as well, but McCartney's probably doing the best of the of the four. And this is kind of where I come on board with, I start, this is when I start listening to music, this is the mid-70s, so I'm listening to, you know, uh, the radio with my brother, with my dad and my brother by myself, uh, and I discover, I listen to the contemporary chart station, so, uh, and I may mention this before, weird confession, uh, I knew who Paul McCartney and Wings were before I knew who the Beatles were, and in fairness, I was eight, and Paul McCartney had hits on the radio at that time, and I didn't discover the Beatles uh, probably shortly thereafter, within a of probably a few months, uh, because my dad would play the more adult contemporary station in town, which played current hits, but only adult contemporary friendly current hits. So, which would include Paul McCartney and Wings, but they also played older stuff, including the Beatles and the Beach Boys. So, this is how I discover the Beatles. I discover the Beatles first, uh, and probably very shortly thereafter, uh, I discover the Beach Boys. Uh, I think probably from hearing them on the adult contemporary radio, and then they release, uh, a big uh, greatest hits album called Endless Summer in 1976. And again, this is the time where nostalgia is very big. The Beach Boys are not really doing well with their new music. You know, Holland did okay, uh, critically acclaimed. Uh, I think Ceylon Sailor got to 40 was the only single from the album. And I think it just got into the top 40, maybe 36 odd or something like that. But anyway, so, but they're having great success touring and people want to hear, you know, the old, the surf hits, you know, and all that stuff. So they're doing great with that. They release Endless Summer, Endless Summer does great, and while Endless Summer is uh, going on, they record an album called 15 Big Ones, uh, the kind of the misnamed 15 Big Ones, uh, marks the return of Brian to the full production duties, and uh, it, they, he wants it to be an album of covers, the band kind of fights against him and says, no, no, we need to do um, some originals, so it ends up being like half covers, half originals. Uh, the name confuses people. They think it's a greatest hits album. Although if you flip it over and see, it is not a greatest hits album. So I'm not sure the confusion uh, lies there. But uh, they get a top ten hit out of it. They do a cover of uh, Chuck Berry's rock and roll music. 
That goes to number five. And they do this other song, it's the second single. And weirdly, we talked about this uh, in previous episodes, at the Pet Sounds era, Mike, and he does not deny this, you know, was among the people who said, don't F with the formula. And It's Okay is kind of back to the formula. It fits right in with the stuff that's on Endless Summer that people are listening to at the same time. And it gets becomes a hit, but it only gets, I think this only gets to like 40. It does not uh, become a big hit, weirdly, because that's a great tune. And the other thing about 15 Big Ones is, if I don't really like the covers on this album, uh, strangely. I, I do like me a Beach Boys covering another song, and usually they're great, but in this case, I'm not keen. I like rock and roll music, uh, but they do Palisades Park, which is one of my favorite 60s songs, and I don't like that version of it. They do have Blueberry Hill, which is a great song from the 50s. Not keen on the cover on this one. So if they had taken the covers off and maybe added one or two more tracks, you have a proper album. You're kind of like this, the Dazzle Ships of uh, the Beach Boys catalog. It's like, you know, if you just would have adjusted a few things, you're in great shape. So anyway, we're going to hear one of, still one of my favorite Beach Boys songs to this day, and you'll, you'll see immediately uh, what I mean about it fitting into the formula. The song is called It's Okay, This is the Beach Boys. Is in, it's no sin, it's that time again to shed your load, hit the road on the run again. Summer skies in our eyes and a warmer sun, it's one for all, all for one, all for all that fun. Gotta go through it, gotta go through it, gotta get with it. Looking good. the Beach Boys, 15 big ones, like I said, does okay. Uh, it's strengthened by the fact that this gets a lot of airplay and gets to number 40, and of course, the rock and roll music gets to number 5, and of course, it's also aided by the fact that uh, Endless Summer, the greatest hits package, is doing really, really well. And that brings us now to OMD. We left off with OMD. They had just finished The Pacific Age, which featured a top 20 hit called Forever Live and Die, and uh, although I played Shame, the third single from the album, so they uh, are doing okay in North America, not as okay as they would like. It was hoped that Forever Live and Die would have been a bigger hit from this album, and also We Love You, they thought that would have been a, a bigger hit, and it was much more uh, American radio-friendly. They spent a lot of time in the U.S. and Canada trying to break uh, the North American market without much success, but they release a greatest hits album. It's called The Best of OMD. They released that in 1988, and uh, they take a gamble, and because and a lot of times bands can get away with this, depending on how you title the album. If it's the best of, and you add two new songs to it, you're like, well, are those new songs the best of? Are they really among the best? And in this case, whew, it worked out, because Dreaming is one of the best. I know the British fans don't agree, but I love Dreaming. And it's the only new song on the album. Now, if they would have called it the OMD Singles, which they do later on, the, the last hits package that came out was called the OMD Singles, so you're not, you know, tied to that hits thing. 
uh, or the best of thing. Uh, or yeah, greatest hits or best of, you can uh, you can get away with that. But anyway, Dreaming comes out uh, as the single from this from the greatest hits album, and it does okay. It gets up to number like 14, 13, 11. It does not crack the top 10, but it's their second biggest hit in the United States to this day. And boy, I love this song. This is Dreaming by OMD. Yeah, I'm not keen on If You Leave, but I love dreaming. And it's funny that we came up to this track this week because uh, just this week in the Facebook group for OMD fans, uh, one of the guys was on about how the American fans feel dissed when the the British fans uh, say that we're not real fans because we only came on board at, you know, Crush and, uh, you know, If You Leave and all that era. And again, in fairness, uh, when they were first assigned to a label in this country, they were on Virgin Records in the United Kingdom, which did not have offices here. So all the bands that are on Virgin Records had to sign separate deals with different record labels. So for example, Culture Club is on Virgin in the UK. They had to sign a deal with Epic. In this country, well, OMD also winds up with Epic, who have absolutely no idea what to do with them. They don't get on MTV. They hardly get any radio play, even at college radio. And when they, in 1984, OMD still with Virgin in the UK switches to A&M in this country, and A&M takes a much more active role in promoting them. Still has a hard time getting them on, on MTV, but actively promotes them to college radio and also to top 40 radio because So In Love becomes a top 40 hit. And uh, I guess their argument is to, to the record, uh, the radio station says, you look, you're playing Human League, our other band, our other synth band. You, these guys fit right in. They're from the same era. They're from a, the one big city over in England. You should be playing them. So. so now we arrive at Book of Love. And Book of Love, like I said, you may be vaguely familiar with Book of Love, uh, but they start as a, uh, they're a four-piece uh, they are led by Ted Ottaviano. He is the uh, chief songwriter, uh, and uh, I, guess, I guess we would call him the sound architect of the band, uh, although the others contribute. That would be Susan Ottaviano, uh, no relation. We'll get to that in a second. Jade Lee and Lauren Roselli. Uh, Susan Ottaviano, Ted Ottaviano, uh, they are not related at all. If they are, it's very distantly. They discovered while they were on tour in Europe one time that they, um, they came from the same, their families came from the same village in Italy, where I guess Ottaviano is a very common name, and it makes sense. Families migrated, you know, in the early part of the 20th century to, you know, New York, the Northeast. So probably a lot of Adavianos came over. And it just so happens that Ted and Susan become friends, having the same last name. 
but not being related. Anyway, they uh, they form a band, but uh, Ted is going to school, art school in Philadelphia. He uh, becomes pals with Lauren Roselli. Meanwhile, Susan and Jade Lee are in art school in New York City. Imagine that. They uh, So the band kind of functions long distance for a while till they end up together in New York in like 82, 83-ish. They record one of uh, Ted's compositions called Boy, and Boy becomes a big dance club hit. Uh, Lauren uh, gets it into the hands of a producer named Ivan Ivan, who's very close to Sire Records. Sire Records, Seymour Stein, is sufficiently impressed and says these guys need to make an album, which is exactly what they do. So in the uh, fall, or in the, yeah, fall of 85-ish, they record the album, and it comes out in the spring of 1986. Uh, on the same day, by the way, I still remember this because I was music director at the college radio station. Same day as Love and Hope and Sex and Dreams from the Bodines. There you go. Very different album. Uh, still a great album, uh, by the way. Do check that out. So anyway, I get the Book of Love album. I put, I go take it to my dorm room. I get it, you know, at the radio station. I pick up the, the new albums. I probably listen to Love and Hopes and Sex and Dreams on the same day. And uh, I said, this is cool. Put on Book of Love, completely blown away. What a fantastic debut. Now, the thing with it is then, and Ted Ottaviano, friend of the show, he's been on the podcast before, had mentioned in review, uh, interviews later on, they always kind of lamented that uh, the first album isn't really an album. It's really a collection of songs, to which I... I respond, what a great collection of songs, though. And he agreed when he was on the show. He was like, yeah, there are a lot of gems on there. You're, you're not wrong. And no, I am not. It's 12 tracks, and it's fantastic. Uh, one cover, which is great. Uh, it, and boy, this tells you the, the power of, uh, of doing a good cover. The song they cover is called Demetrosen. It's by a group called Lilliput, who are from Switzerland. The original version is awful. It's a terrible song. Uh, I hardly ever play it. But uh, I guess Ted found something in it, and they dusted it off, and uh, they found the hook in it, and uh, they do a great version of it. We're not going to hear that, though. They released four singles from this album. Boy was the first one, comes out in advance of the album. I believe that goes in order from there. I Touch Roses, I think, was the next single. And then either Medigliani or the one we're going to hear here, You Make Me Feel So Good. And You Make Me Feel So Good is still to this day one of my favorite songs ever. So we're going to hear that now. Lyrics by Susan Ottaviano. When I saw them live uh, last spring or maybe last fall, they toured. It was just Ted and Susan. Jade and Lauren couldn't make it. But uh, Susan was like, oh yeah, Ted wrote all these great songs. Well, Susan sells herself a little bit short there because she was a lyricist on a lot of the uh, the big hits, including this one. And uh, yeah, here is You Make Me Feel So Good from Book of Love.
You Make Me Feel So Good from Book of Love from their debut album. Now, since they only have four albums and and then a greatest hits package or a best of package, I believe it's called officially, uh, we're going to double up somewhere. Why not double up on the first album? Because it's so great. And I was going to play one of the other singles. I was going to play Dean Betrosen, but I'm going to play another cover down the road here. So I'm going to go with just a great album track song. It's called White Lies. Again, lyrics by Susan. And uh, it's just a nice wispy tune. It's got a nice hook and uh, it's a nice little um, uh, melodica uh, I get bridge or hook in the middle of it. Um, and, and You Make Me Feel So Good also has that great melodica part. Melodica, if you're not familiar, also called a hooter. It's a, it has a little pipe on it and a keyboard and you blow into it. And uh, they use that a lot, especially on this album. And man, it, I, I just love a good melodica. It's also on uh, Thompson Twins' uh, You Take Me Up. They use a melodica on that. Uh, melodica, really underused, uh, underutilized instrument. I think Depeche Mode used one. I can't remember where they use it. I think they use it in uh, Everything Counts. They might have used it in the original version. I don't remember. But anyway, this is, uh, this is White Lies from Book of Love from their debut album. White Lies from Book of Love. Then we uh, they go on tour. They uh, manage at the same time the album comes out. They meet uh, Depeche Mode and the Sire Records people and all that. And people say, you, get, you should go on tour. And so they do. And it doesn't really go very well because, you know, Book of Love is used to playing uh, in little small clubs in New York City in the Northeast. And Depeche Mode, even at this time, 1986, this is right before Black Celebration. This is right after Some Great Reward. They're not playing arenas yet, but they're playing big theaters. They're playing big venues. News. And uh, I don't think Book of Love is used to this. They uh, the the audience doesn't like them, which is weird because uh, they fit right in. It's not the, it's not a copy of Depeche Mode, but it's 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 all keyboards and it fits in beautifully. Uh, there is lore that. Um, during one of the shows where the audience isn't really having a good time, that Susan yells at the crowd and says, you better be nice to us, we're Depeche Mode's girlfriends. So I don't know if that's true or not. I forgot to ask her when she was on the show, but uh, it's a great story. But I think just the uh, it, it's helpful to them. It's I guess it's a, a trial by fire kind of thing where they very quickly become a much better band having to play big venues in front of large amounts of people. And uh, so they tour for quite a while, and then they come out with Lullaby in 1980. 87 or 8, no, 88 it comes out. It's a while before the next album comes out. And Lullaby is is okay. 
The first single off of it that actually does really well, I think it goes into the Hot 100. It's called Pretty Boys and Pretty Girls. It's it's the time of AIDS, uh, the AIDS crisis. The song is about, you know, you can't be as physical with people anymore. You, you, you can look and don't touch. I think that's actually one of the lines in the song. They mix it with Tubular Bells by Michael Oldfield. That's kind of cool, but I never really liked this song all that much. I'm much a much bigger fan of the title track, Lullaby. And indeed, and I saw an interview a long time ago where um, someone asked Ted Adebayano, what's your favorite book of love song? And he said, uh, Lullaby, one. And he said, and he was most happy with the 7-inch mix of that. I think I have the 7-inch mix of that skewed up here. And might I might have to settle for the album version we're going to see in a minute. But anyway, I love the track Lullaby. It is great. They uh, released another song from this called Witchcraft, which is a fan favorite. Eh. Uh, I'm more a fan of Oranges and Lemons, um, but this is a, a, a good album. I don't dislike Pretty Boys and Pretty Girls. I love the tubular bells thing. I love when people mix their own songs with an existing song. I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. Kind of like the Spinners. Uh, well, that's not, they didn't mix an original song. They mixed two existing songs. But anyway, um, but you know what I mean, right? Uh, so here we go. This is Lullaby from Book of Love from the album of the same name. is released. They tour Lullaby. Like I said, Pretty Boys and Pretty Girls uh, does okay. It, it, it's a huge dance hit. Uh, it charts into the Hot 100. I think it's to like 80-odd or something like that and gets some radio airplay. So they get a little uh, they get a little heat on them. And then we get to 1990. It's the next album that comes out, and that album is called Candy Carol. And I was, was looking this stuff up. I didn't realize that um, the two songs that are my favorite on this album were not singles at all. The first single released from the album is a song called Alice Every Day, which is good. Uh, I like this tune. And then the other two singles are uh, Sunny Day, which Ted does the vocals on, and Counting the Rosaries, which kind of, um, there's been a hint of spirituality through the whole band, uh, but it gets more and more prominent as we go on. It becomes even more prominent on the next album. I'll explain in a moment. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that Candy Carol and a song called Turn the World, which are my two favorite songs from this album, are not singles. But I'm going to play them for you anyway. I'm going to play Candy Carol anyway. So um, this is Candy Carol. It fits right into that Book of Love sound. It's, it's very lush. The vocals are great on it. And I think uh, Lauren and Susan both do vocals on this. This is uh, Candy Carol. Candy Carol. 
Candy Carol from Book of Love. What a lovely song. And again, Turn the World, great tune. Uh, I, I, looking back, I like this album a lot more than I thought it. I, I probably prefer this overall, you know, song song for song uh, to Lullaby. So it's uh, another couple of years, though, before we get to another album. And the album that uh, comes out in 1993, or maybe it's early 94, is called Love Bubble. And I think it, what's happening at this time is, uh, and we've discussed this before on the show, in 1990, of course, what do you have happening in England? You have uh, the Manchester scene. It's not very key. They use some keyboards, but it's more a psychedelic. It's a very rocky thing that's happening. What's happening in the United States? Seattle. Grungy, very definitely rocky. No keyboards at all. And so these are the two things going on in the English-speaking world, which is, you know, which is what pop music is centered on, let's face it. And so groups like Book of Love, uh, Information Society, who had a hit a couple of years before this, uh, they get two top ten hits. Uh, there's other groups, Cause and Effect, T for Two. They all move in the same circles. They all know each other. They can get nowhere. Red Flag, another one. Uh, they're doing okay. In, they're doing okay in dance clubs. They're not doing very well on the charts. Radio won't play them. Even alternative radio won't play them at this point. So I think um, Ted must see the writing on the wall as does the rest of the band. So when they make Love Bubble, I think they just decide we'll just make the album that we want with songs we want. So and everybody gets. Ted has less control on purpose. He lets the other members of the band have a little more, you know, freedom. And so to that end, uh, there's a song on here where uh, Lauren Roselli's brother sings a church hymnal, and then they play a little music over top of that, and it's really very cool. So again, the spirituality of the band really coming out in this album. Uh, so it's, it's, it's I wouldn't say it's self-indulgent, but it's a much, I guess you would say it's probably a much more personal album. The uh, single from this is Honey, Honey, which is uh, which is pretty good. I like uh, Happily Ever After is a good tune, but I think Honey, Honey is the only single that is released from this. Uh, the best song on the album is a cover. It is a cover of David Bowie's Sound and Vision. Ted Ottaviano, huge David Bowie fan. Nothing wrong with the original Sound and Vision. In fact, it features a Moog on it, so it's kind of a very early synth-pop kind of song. Again, uh, like Demetrosen, although we we reasoned that Demetrosen was a terrible song that he he found the he found the golden. Uh, he really finds a sweet spot on Sound and Vision, and Susan sounds great on it. And uh, well, this is a Sound and Vision, a cover of the, the David Bowie track.
just love what they do with that. They just make it their own song. They, they really do. And that brings us up to, oh, well, the other thing I wanted to say, well, maybe it, we'll get to the, the best of here. Uh, 2016 rolls around. Uh, it's the anniversary, 30th anniversary of the first album. They release a, uh, I believe it's called the best of book of love or it's, yeah, it must be the, the, the best of book of love. And Again, I should be consulted on these matters. I should have been consulted on the single releases from Candy Carol. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm in the fandom, but I guess I'm kind of like an outlier in that I just like different songs. Like, back to the first album, every, I think if you were to pull the Book of Love fandom uh, and they would rank this, the four singles, I, I guarantee you, You Make Me Feel So Good would, would rank fourth. People love people love Boy, because that's just straight ahead into the fandom. Uh, and Medigliani is really good. Medigliani, you may know from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's played, uh, let me see, where is it? It's played in the scene where the train breaks down in Missouri. Uh, and it's also played again uh, toward the end of the movie where John Candy is sitting out in the burned-out rent-a-car and Steve Martin opens a hotel room door and tells me, you're going to freeze out there and invites him back into the room, you know, to, to, to make up after the fight that they have. Anyway. So that's Medigliani, and then I Touch Roses is very popular. So I would say You Make Me Feel So Good is probably fourth net. But anyway, um, they release a best of, and they, again, they do that, they, they take that gamble. They, uh, they add two tracks to it. One is called All Girl Band, and one is called Something Good. All Girl Band, I'm not keen, at least not as keen as I am on the other song, but they released that as the single, and it's fine, and I get why it's the single. It's more up-tempo, it's got a better chance of being a dance hit, at least, and doing well on, on that chart, but Something Good is just a, it's a very emotional song, Put really puts me in the mind of the first album, uh, songs like White Lies and things like the one that we heard earlier, and uh, so I'm going to get play you Something Good, which should have been a single. I don't think they ended up releasing this as a single. I only think that the only one they released as a single... Uh, and might have made a video for it was uh, All Girl Band, which again is fine, but I think this is just a better tune. Something good from Book of Love. I woke up today and it was gray, a melancholy day, another day. All the nights and days I've spent with you are turning blue. Color me blue I would like to I would even try to Yes, I would If I could See something good So Book of Love, it's a very melancholy song, but again, Book of Love can be very melancholy. So there you have it. That's the case for Book of Love, uh, four albums. They um, In the 90s, Ted and Lauren form a band called the Myrmidons with another gal whose name escapes me. And he told us on the show uh, the last time he was on that the Myrmidons, Book of Love very much the 80s group, Myrmidons very much a 90s group. And I bought some of the Myrmidons tracks a couple years ago, and I think that's an apt 
uh, description. It's not as keyboardy as Book of Love. It's much more kind of 90s. Uh, there are a lot of keyboards in it, but it's, you know, it, you just look up Myrmidons. I'm sure they're in Spotify, and you'll you'll see exactly what I mean. So uh, they like they start touring again in 2016 in celebration of the 30th anniversary in the tour. You know, because they have other they have other lives now. I'm not sure what Ted does. Um, yeah, I think he's still in the music business in some capacity. But Susan went on to be uh, a uh, a food designer or something like that. Um, so she's involved in the food business. Uh, Lauren got married and had a kid. I think Jade is also married. So they have separate. They for sure have, and they all went to art school too. So they also pursued their art. Ted stayed with music and a little bit of art. But the other three mostly went on, I think, to pursue careers somewhere centered around art. And so most of the time when you see Book of Love touring these days, it is just Ted and Susan. Occasionally you'll luck out and get Lauren and Jade too because I know they've done some shows as well. And uh, so they're not – the only new stuff we have, I guess, would be something good in all-girl band. So I don't know if we're going to get any new stuff. I think Ted or Susan or both might have mentioned when they were on the show that there would be new music. So I don't know. When I put this up, I will have to ask uh, them both if um, if I'm misremembering that or, or what. But anyway, so Book of Love, yeah, a long shot to be PF's third favorite band, but boy, what a band. I love these guys. And if you are not familiar, uh, do check them out. The last thing I want to say about these guys is, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes before, is that, um, you know, in the 80s, uh, it, it was a time when, you know, we started... I mean, we've had uh, our gay brothers and sisters with us for a long time, and gradually, starting in the 60s, we, we start hearing uh, about great gay rights and things. Uh, I think the AIDS epidemic kind of shines a light. Unfortunately, it, had, it, it took that to kind of say, hey, it, it, we're all people, and that's the thing. And, and, and it's in the 80s when people are kind of becoming, you know, more open and accepting of things. Uh, there are, is a band called Bronsky Beat in Britain, uh, Erasure with Andy Bell and uh, former Depeche Mode uh, Vince Clark, uh, Andy Gay, Vince not not important, but just for detailed purposes. Uh, and Pet Shop Boys, who are a little uh, cagey about it, but everybody kind of knows, all right? I mean, let's just be honest. Um, sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't, but when you can, you can. That's all I got to say. And, and people knew what time it was with Pet Shop Boys. They finally uh, open up and are themselves eventually, but not until the 90s. But anyway, getting back to the, you know, uh, being accepting of, of lifestyles and things like that, I think Book of Love... Uh, even though they're not widely known, I still think for the people that do know them, they are important in that movement. Not only for gay kids growing up and finding out, hey, it's it's okay. I'm uh, I'm not you know this is this is perfectly acceptable. This is this norm. Some people are like this. It's just a thing, and it's not important. And you don't have to be mean to people. And but what I think with Book of Love and also Erasure and, and Bronsky Beat and some of the other bands, but what Book of Love uh, also does is not only to make it accepting to tell young gay people that, hey, it's all right. It also tells heterosexual people, hey, it's all right. We're all the same at some level. So, and that's, that's the thing. So I think, you know, listening to Book of Love and Erasure and people like that made me more accepting. Hell, I was in the front row of an Erasure concert with, uh, there was a girl in front of me who I later asked out on a date and she accepted, but um, mostly with a lot of sweaty gay men. And it didn't bother me because, you know, it's, I was, I knew who I was. They knew who they were. I wasn't afraid of anything. And look, I'd have been flattered, not my bag. But I'd be flattered if anybody found me attractive. So anyway, that's that. Book of Love, I think, also, like I said, this does a, an important cultural, uh, uh, it has an important cultural function in that respect. Now we move on to our honorable mention band. And uh, you ever have a, and this is, I notice a lot in my musical uh, taste, 
is that you like a band's album, it's your favorite album by them, but it is, your favorite song does not come from your favorite album. And in this case, um, I would say with OMD, that's the case with me, Anola Gay, my favorite song, organization, not my favorite album. So this happens with ABC. In fact, I think this might be my second favorite album of all time after Pet Sounds is The Lexicon of Love from ABC. It contains a song I like a lot, probably my second favorite song by the band called All of My Heart. The singles are great. It's Poison Arrow and Look of Love, if you're not familiar. whole album is fantastic, but uh, I like a song two albums later from the, an album called How to Be a it's how to be a million. Well, it's how to be a zillionaire is the album. One of the singles is how to be a millionaire, which becomes a top ten hit, by the way. Uh, Vanity Kills, I think, becomes a top forty hit, also from this album. This should have been a huge hit. This is my favorite song from ABC. Uh, I think ABC. The, the the reason they didn't make it to the uh, to the tournament here is because you know they kind of. The, the, it's, a, it's an uneven catalog, I would say. That being said, I like the second album, Beauty Stab, a lot more than I remembered liking the album. It's it, it, People think it's a letdown after Lexicon, which it is in a way, but it's still a really good album. A lot of good songs on that. Zillionaire is good. Uh, but then Alphabet City, which has When Smokey Sings on it, is probably another track you're familiar with. I'm really not keen on that song. I like some of the songs on that album. King Without a Crown is good. But um, Up is the album after that. It's got a few good tracks on it. They kind of move in more of a dancey direction. They do these different uh, stylistic turns, which aren't out of character. It still fits them, but I don't think they're making really great albums, they, but they're writing some really good songs. Uh, but anyway, back to How to Be a Zillionaire. Uh, this track is called Ocean Blue, and boy, I love this song. I got probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Puts me in the mind of being down in Florida on the beach. Uh, this is ABC, Ocean Blue. Incidentally, the name of a band who will be appearing on a future episode of PF's Third Favorite Band? Question mark. So that's ABC with the song Ocean Blue. Man, what a tune. And now we come up to our song of the week. Well, the song of the week doesn't really fit in with these other tracks we've heard today, but uh, the girls, uh, meaning my daughters, are very much into K-pop these days. And so they've been watching a lot of K-pop uh, on, the, on the TV and the videos and all that, large, largely because there's a lot of dancing involved, and, and Liza likes, likes the dancing. So she learns all the dance moves and all that stuff. 
And the, the big bands we have are BTS, who were our song of the week a couple weeks ago with Dynamite. So you, and they had it's a number one hit. It's nominated for a Grammy. So you know BTS. Uh, Stray Kids is another one. Um, then there's some gal uh, groups in there. Uh, uh, Twice, which we're going to hear in a minute, um, who's Blackpink and Itzy. So those are the big, big ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, this song has happened here. They were playing it one day. Um, I can't remember what the hook reminds me of. It reminds me of another song. Uh, but the group is called Twice. There's nine gals. They're like the Bell Stars of Korea, if you remember the Bell Stars from the 80s. And uh, I just like the song. It's, uh, it's got a nice hook. It's, it's very poppy, mostly sung in English, a little sung in Korean. I kind of like that. And um, it's from two, year, two or three years ago. But since I'm just getting into K-pop, uh, I can count it as Song of the Week. We'll probably be having more K-pop Songs of the Week uh, coming up in the next few weeks as we continue through PF's third favorite band, question mark. But in the meantime, our Song of the Week is from Twice. Dance the Night Away, PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. You and me in the moonlight Let's dance the night away